podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Father Chris Kellerman is our guest this week. He is a Jesuit priest, and he joins us to talk all about discernment. We talk about transition, we talk about hearing the Lord's voice, we talk about distinguishing between natural and spiritual desolation, and lots more. If you're in a place right now where you are making some big decisions, or discerning your vocation, or even discerning smaller things, this episode is a great one for you. We hope it's fruitful for you. Hey. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> that sounded so urgent. I know. Hey, what's up? Well, I mean, technically we've been on the call already. We've been chatting for a while with Father. Yeah. This is Father Chris, everybody. So Rachel here, Aaron, we're missing Nicole sadly today, but, um, you know, we're going to try our best to to do her, do her proud. And we have a very special guest, Father Chris joining us. Hi, Father Chris. Father Chris. Hey, y'all. So good to be here. <laughs> nice. Just in case you can't tell, Father Chris is in the South, y'all. That's yeah. right. Coming right in from <laughs> Louisiana. <laughs> I just came from the South, too. I was in Texas. I literally oh, really? just came back. Mm-hmm. I was there for three months. And so y'all is y'all is like part of my vocabulary now. I don't even feel like I'm like an imposter. It just feels like that's part of who I am now, we, you know? We are happy to spread that language, <laughs> that linguistic tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, of the plural you. So that mm-hmm. is wonderful. Happy to hear, hear that you're using. Oh, Did yeah. you have a good trip in Texas? I had an amazing trip. I was mm-hmm. genuinely sad to come back because, you know, it was it was just a different culture. And, and I got to live. My my sister got married while I was there. That's the main reason that I went. And my sister and now wonderful brother-in-law live in like a small town out of Austin, just outside of Austin. And it's like got that small town culture. And I had so much barbecue and I just yeah. was like, I don't want to leave ever. <laughs> okay. But seriously though, like, okay. So I was in Texas for whatever it was, eight, nine months or something like that when I was doing some grad school stuff. Right. So it was a long time ago, mm-hmm. but the thing that is horrifying are those like cockroach palm tree bug kind of things. I don't even know what they are. Do you know what I mean? Cicadas? Like the... No, they're not even cicadas. They're like... No, it's like... They're like cockroaches, but they're big. Like big, 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 big. We have really big cockroaches. And they fly. Yes! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Okay, so here's the story with that. I was in the bathroom in the middle of the night one night. I went to the bathroom. I turned on the light um, just in time to see this cockroach scrolling across my floor. And to get out of the light, he started to climb up my pant leg oh, and, and oh, I like oh, shook oh. my leg out and then he started to climb up the wall and then I was like trying to get something to smack him and he launched himself off the wall and flew into my hair. No. Oh. Yes. And then I was like, Ooh. oh my gosh, Aaron, people listening to the podcast just turned it off. Like that. Uh, was, that's like a traumatic. That that's, I know. That's traumatic. Y'all, I know. Need have, y'all need to have content warning when you listen. Yes, to seriously. <laughs> Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Mention of bugs. Yeah. Wow. I'm not even really scared. Actually, not scared of bugs at all. But that is terrifying. That sounds. Those are big. And cockroaches are. They're not. In a sense, they're harmless, but they're like huge. Yeah, they are huge. And Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Canada I, does I, not I have them that big, you know? Canada's cockroaches so, are not that big. <laughs> I spent the first five and a half years of my life in India and I have mm. pretty like strong memories in there. And there's a lot of bugs there, you know, it's like bugs and lizards mm. and all kinds of stuff. Okay. And so I like, and I'm not scared of them. So I kind of like, you know, it doesn't scare me that much, but I don't, I even think for me, I don't know how my nerves would fare with like a bug, a giant cockroach, like flying yeah. into my hair. I right. Think that yeah. Is, it's a little That's horrifying. A yeah. 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 For everyone. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Listen, I'm just going no, retroactively back to wonderful. offer up that suffering for <laughs> retroactively. Yeah. Barbecue is worth flirt. it. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I mean, I had a great time and I'm really glad that I got to be there. And it, it was kind of crazy coming back to snow because mm. it's been like, you know, usually when you're, when you're home in Canada, you sort of get the gradual introduction to it. Right. And then going like from Texas where there were cold days, definitely like in the winter, there are some cooler days, but I like in December or January, actually, I was out at a cafe, like outside in like a skirt and like boots, like no Mm -hmm. jacket or anything, you know? And and then like landing down, touching down being like, wow, there's snow. Yep. There it is. But Mm -hmm. I do miss it. I do love snow. So Hmm. anyways yeah do you miss it father do you miss snow because you were up so for those who who are are not uh aware father chris was in toronto for a while um Mm -hmm. for two years and Mm -hmm. yeah i do in fact i uh i never considered myself to be a fan of winter Mm -hmm. until after i left toronto (laughs) i think i think here's what it was i think this is what it was when i was in toronto um, it was the it was the longest and most intense winters that I've experienced. Now, this the second mm-hmm. year I was there was pretty mild, but the, the year before was a really was a really bad one. And I was mm-hmm. like, I need to learn how to love this. Mm-hmm. And so and so I started like forcing myself to go outside when it was like really cold and snowy, like bundled <laughs> up, and like I'm gonna have some nice coffee right now. <laughs> And I, I really, I don't know. It worked and I fell in love Sweet. and, and this year, these past two years in new Orleans, I'm like, where's the winter? Yeah. I'm not like this, you know? Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, so yeah. And, and new Orleans, um, it just, it, it does not get cold here at all. So yeah. like yep. today, today in new Orleans, it's in, um, it's in the sixties Fahrenheit and a few Last week we had a couple cold days that got like just below, just above freezing, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's it's super cold in Dallas Fort Worth where my pants are today. Mm. It's, it's well below freezing and there's ice on the ground and it's snowing. So mm. so uh, so Texas and and New Orleans are and Louisiana, even though they're neighboring states, very different weather. Oh my very gosh, different Texas weather. So. weather? Not to be, like you know not to be not talking. This is our whole episode, guys. <laughs> <Just talk about. laughs> Texas weather, but it's actually crazy. It's probably in a different way. Like obviously Canada, like Toronto, like we have crazy extreme weather, but but like Texas has crazy extreme changes in weather in a day. Like you wake yeah, up that's right. and it's like, I'm going to talk in Celsius just cause I don't know Fahrenheit, but it's like yeah, seven, yeah, eight degrees Celsius in the morning. Yeah. And then like at one in the afternoon, it's like 25, like it's yeah. crazy. And you, so you, you really have to dress for kind of like everything when you go to Texas, which is yeah. true. kind of fun too. It's absolutely anyways, true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Texas, for a wonderful time. That's <laughs> right. right. God bless Texas. That's God bless Texas. <laughs> truly, truly. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, so, well, you know, speaking of me coming back from Texas, I was there for three months. 
in my life right now, I'm going through a massive transition because mm-hmm. I left my sister who just got married, my brother-in-law stay there, but we've never been apart. And like, I were like, we were like attached to the hip for her mm-hmm. entire life. She's you know younger than me, but, and so it's like, oh my gosh, my life now, what is it? And you know, there's a lot of things I'm trying to work through and there's a lot of, you know, struggle and like some minor depression. That's a part of this kind of mm-hmm. transition in my life right now. So I've been watching a lot of Conan O'Brien because for some odd reason, <laughs> <laughs> I find him really funny and I've been listening to his podcast. He just makes me laugh and I really enjoy yeah. it. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know what is your, what for you guys, who is, who's your Conan O'Brien or like, what are you, what are you, what do you do when you're kind of like in the dumps a little bit and you, mm-hmm. you know, that little pick yeah. me up. It's not necessarily something deep. It's just, it's just some make you laugh. Any, mm-hmm. what are your recommendations here <laughs> this is a good question you want to like go first plan. father oh boy yeah i mean i i can do that i've got a few of those um i uh i mean i mean maybe of, of less funny ones i do have kind of a silly one but like i have just noticed for me that that one mood pick me up is like i gotta get outside I just have to get outside. Right. Um, I'm very fortunate here in New Orleans to live next to the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that there is something really powerful about like, I'm going to get out of my head right now and go outside and sit and watch this massive river yeah. that, that goes from, you know, up north all the way down to here, this mm-hmm. beautiful big river and see the ducks on it. and the boats coming across and just, and, and the power there and being like, oof, the world is bigger than me. The Love world it. is bigger than me, you know? So um, that being said, I also once my, I, I was going to, uh, <laughs> I was going to therapy to counseling mm-hmm. and my counselor said to me, okay, when you get home today, I want you to close the door of your room. You close the blinds if you need to. If you need to put on headphones to do it, do it. <laughs> but I want you to listen to a ridiculous song and I want you to dance around your room. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Oh, that's and, uh, I love and that. I was like, I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I went home and did it. And it made me laugh. And what was the song? And, um, I don't remember what it no, was. Because I've done it since then. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Yes. And um, and so yeah yeah that that is my conan o'brien i, I need to is is dancing around the room and just like making myself laugh you know i love that i love that i'm gonna steal that good. definitely that's I'm awesome i'm not gonna close the blinds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good uh, yeah okay the blinds open. so i think i'm like trying to think of like fun like funny or therapeutic so like therapeutic I find driving so driving for me is like if I am like blah or there's just a lot going on I don't know what it is about driving but the Lord speaks so profoundly to me sometimes in there I think it's because my brain shuts off a little bit because you're like focusing on like just Mm -hmm. you know the procedural stuff and then it's like and through music especially too so if I'm like driving with some music it's so good and then um but also definitely sometimes it's like the songs that have that are like super catchy so like what was it the olivia rodrigo i think her name is and she has the song that's like mm-hmm. Come for you, get out there without me baby 
Anyways, it's like a ridiculous (laughs) pop song. So like driving and like singing it at the top of my lungs. Like if anybody is driving by me, it'll be like some, that woman is having a stroke. I don't know (laughs) what's happening. Somebody should call the police. Anyways, I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, and I also enjoy, um, yeah, like a nice, uh, a nice, Meal and a glass of wine. Like, I find that that is very helpful for me. That's very biblical, actually. So, like, the week, so I I just left Texas on Monday, Mm -hmm. but the week before, I, there was kind of a couple options. I could have left the week before, but I decided to stay a week later. But the week before, when we were thinking, like, when should I leave? When shouldn't I leave? Um, I was like, really like, that's when I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to go and miss my sister. Like it was mm. really like, I was yeah. intensely sad and we went to mass on Sunday and I, th- I don't know if it was the Psalm or the first reading. It was definitely old Testament. And it was like, it was like, don't cry. I literally in the reading was like, stop weeping. Don't cry, you know, eat rich food and drink sweet drink. And I was like, oh, ah, yeah. okay. That's <laughs> so awesome. A lot of wine. Yeah. See, not too much wine, but you know, that's right. Yeah, I was that's just listening right. to the word of God. I mean, that's all I was doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Saint Thomas Aquinas says that, like, a, a bath, a glass of wine, and a and a good sleep will solve all your ills. Yeah, that's Saint Thomas Aquinas, right, right there. And a little know, Conan so. O'Brien. Yeah, yeah a little Conan O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah. Right. yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it did hurt some people actually, but yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. But I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fa- uh, fash um, tags, hashtags with Jimmy Fallon is also a good one. I quite enjoy those ones. Yeah, if you haven't looked at those, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I do enjoy late night. They they are funny guys. Some of the time, well, it's not always, but you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So <laughs> yeah. So transitions, father. We're, this is this is a good you know yeah, segue. Yeah. Speaking of, Excellent. um, because, because uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about discernment and and just the whole journey with the Lord, where you go through consolation and desolation and ups and downs and, and especially the downs, like when you're discerning stuff or when you're going through a period of uncertainty and trying to figure out what is the Lord saying to you and there's a lot of suffering, you know, how do we navigate that? So I just wanted to ask you like in your life and your story and your journey with the Lord, how have you worked through those periods and, and maybe tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to. Um, and thanks again for having me on the show today. Uh, I I think that I, I have been through a lot of, of transitions, uh, and I've always thought of myself as being really bad at transitions. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you brought the expert on, (laughs) but, but but I, I do think I've, I've learned a lot from that. I've learned a lot from being bad at transitions. Mm -hmm. Um, as a Jesuit, as a Jesuit, uh, I, have been a Jesuit for 10 years now and the most, the, the longest that I've lived any of those 10 years was three years in one place. And then I have lived two years in four other places. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, actually, this is my 11th year as a Jesuit now that I think about it. So, mm. um, and so there's been, there's been one transition after another. I mean, there was the transition of entering the Jesuits, which itself was, was a mm. really difficult 
time, especially for my parents. Mm. Uh, moving from Louisiana, uh, where I was a, a novice, to St. Louis and becoming a philosophy student. Moving from there to Denver, Colorado and teaching. Mm. Uh, and then moving from Colorado to Toronto and then Toronto down to New Orleans. And most likely I'll be going somewhere else again next year. Mm. Um, so I, I think that... Uh, the, the thing that has surprised me most in transitions that has helped me over and over and over is that everything that I think is going to be challenging ends up not being challenging. And, and the things that I think are going to be wonderful don't end up. <laughs> right. Like, like, like the, the, the stuff that I was so worried about doesn't end up being a big problem. And, and then it's things that I never even thought of mm -hmm. that, that end up being the challenging things. And um, I mean, I, I just think of, uh, you know, I, I think about, I, th I think about moving from, from Colorado to Toronto. Um, I, I loved, I loved being a, a teacher during those three years at, at, the high school that I worked at in Denver. I mean, and, and I, um, when I left, I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know how I'm not going to be here anymore. Like I, yeah. I just loved being here. It brought me life every day. Yeah. Um, it brought me so much joy. I loved teaching the kids. I loved getting to know their families. I loved, um, going to their football games and, and, and baseball games and all of that. And loved being a spiritual leader for them, you know, in my role mm -hmm. as a Jesuit a scholastic at that time. That was before I was ordained. Um, and, and I think that uh, I just thought that that was just going to follow me around for months, that heartbreak, you know, that sadness yeah. of leaving. Mm -hmm. And um, I do miss the kids. I mean, they're great. But but I think I I, I came to uh, Toronto and I and I realized, like, oh, yeah, that's what the whole thing of teaching kids is, is to prepare them for the next stage, right. you know? And I'm like, that's <laughs> awesome. And then I kind of got over it. Like, <laughs> that's but, amazing. But, um, <laughs> but I miss my colleagues like crazy, mm. you know? And, uh, and so, um, because like, they're still there and I, and I want to go back all the time and I, and I want to talk to them all the time. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, um, I, I think that I wasn't realizing at the time what a great a community I had with my colleagues yeah. and the mutual mm. support there and the love. And it was uh, just one of those things where I don't think I was quite taking it for granted. I mean, I really mm -hmm. loved them and I knew that. I just didn't realize until I left how much of an emotional and spiritual support they were. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that actually that was what I had to grieve the most rather than, you know, seeing my senior theology class go off to college. It's like, well, no, it's yeah. awesome. That's what they're supposed to do. You know, yeah, yeah. but I didn't, I don't think I realized in my heart how much uh, my, my community, my, my colleagues there meant to me. And, mm. and uh, you know, when I got to Toronto, um, especially that first year, I think that the, the high pace, the fast pace of, of life in Colorado immediately slowed down. Cause when you work at a high school as a Jesuit, like yeah. you're on a high demand, you're going to <laughs> everything, you know? And it, I slowed down. I had to slow down a lot. And in slowing down, I just realized like, gosh, 
I haven't thought much about the fact that I'm going to be ordained a priest in two years Mm. because I was so busy all the time, just being (laughs) a teacher, you know, and uh, that I'm going to be ordained. So I I got to turn, I'm like, gosh, I'm going to be ordained a deacon in two years and and then I'm going to become a priest. So then I start thinking like, yeah, I've I've taken vows. I've already Mm -hmm. taken my perpetual vows. So I knew I was going to be in this thing forever, but like, this is a new big stage. Mm. And so it led me to a lot of, I, I suddenly had a whole lot more time on my hands to think about what is this vocation going to look like? You know, right. what am I going to do with my priesthood and, and were there, you know, aspects of my own anxiety and things like that, that I was able to kind of uh, compartmentalize a little bit while I was in Colorado. Cause I was just so busy all the time, but mm-hmm. now I kind of have to deal with. Right. And, uh, and then, and then you've got those Toronto cold, dark winters. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, That's right. And so, um, and yet, and yet, uh, there were joys of coming to Toronto that I never expected Mm. that I just didn't, I mean, uh, this is going to make you laugh, Aaron. Um, before I got to Toronto, I said, well, you know, I know that the scholastics, they all pick somewhere to work while they're there. Mm. I said, well, the only thing I'm going to rule out at the beginning is working at the Newman Center just because I have done so, just because I have so much uh, experience, like working with young people in college age, like that's the only thing I'm not going to do. I'm sure it's great. Right. And to everyone who's listening within, uh, within a year, no, I think it was within a few months. I was, I was like singing in the choir for Easter. (laughs) I was um, giving talks. And then my second year there, I had an absolute wonderful time uh, teaching RCIA and and uh, teaching a class on discernment. It was so good. Um, That's so, so context for people. I used to be the director of campus ministry at the Newman Center at the University of Toronto. If you're if you're a new listener. Um, yeah. And that class, Father, I, that was like for me, that was such a difficult year for me because it was yeah. when all the stuff with with. Um, so I have fibromyalgia again, if you're if you're a new listener. But I shared that story um, a couple of weeks ago for a podcast. Anyways, that was such a difficult year for me where it was like going from being like kind of like what you were talking about, about the the like busy and like always going and the like using gifts in a real and good way and finding fruit and joy and all of those things to coming to this place where it was like I was limited by my own um I was limited by my own physical health and abilities. And it was like slowing me down in a way that I really did not want to be slowed down. So man, I'm so grateful. Like we had so many good, um, good conversations that were so helpful, but even that, even that, that course in discernment was like, um, was so like the Lord has given you a specific gift for being able to talk about the things of the spiritual life specifically in terms of Jesuit spirituality, like Ignatius's understanding of consolation, desolation to make them accessible for people. And also something that's like, cause sometimes it's easy to talk about those things and, um, and think about them just as rules in the strict sense of like, this is right. how you, like, but concepts. like yeah, like concept, yeah. like to talk about them as, as like a living Reality. relationship with the yeah. Lord that is yeah. like everything. It's like how the Lord works in us, you know, and all those things. So I'm like, I'm curious to see from that experience of, um, 
of transition and the the things like that you've experienced in your own life as a, a Jesuit or even before Jesuithood. Yeah. Um, what what about those movements? Like the things that Ignatius would talk about in terms of consolation, desolation, holy indifference. Da, 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 like, where do you find in your experience and even directing other people are those places of of real difficulty and like how does Ignatius speak to that and what was your experience of those things there's like 18 questions in one (laughs) no no that's great no that's great you know um I guess it's hard for me to talk about this without mentioning the fact that I have anxiety like Mm -hmm. and and I'm on um you know take a medication for it now Mm -hmm. and that uh it's been extremely helpful it's been extremely helpful and the reason that I bring that up is that um, I think that in my own life and in my experience of directing other people in spiritual direction and talking to to groups about um, consolation and desolation, mm-hmm. one really difficult thing that people struggle with and that I struggled with was if I am feeling something negative does that mean it's a spiritual movement? Mm. Right. Right. And so um, sometimes we can, in, in spirituality world, it can be like, I'm experiencing something. So is this the evil spirit or is this the, the, the Holy spirit when um, sometimes it's neither. Right. Sometimes Mm. it's like, I have medical anxiety, Mm. you know, and, and, um, and just kind of an example of, of that before I was treated for anxiety. I, you know, what would, what would happen to me is that I would, um, I would go through a cycle of thoughts of like, oh, you're not, you, you know, your, your life is headed for a disaster. You're not good mm-hmm. enough, whatever. Um, God is far away from you or, you know, these kinds of things. Actually, most of the time God wasn't even involved. It was just like so deep inside and, yeah. and got, and, and like, you should, you just need to go home and just stay home all day and that kind of a thing. Right. Cause something terrible is going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I would sometimes spiritualize that in two ways. One, I would think, um, okay, is this desolation mm-hmm. like from the evil spirit right. that I need to fight? Right. Mm-hmm. Which, which on the one hand doesn't sound like maybe it's a terrible thing because, um, cause it's going to involve me fighting it. Right. It's going to involve right. me saying no and trying to go to the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. But then what would happen next is that there wasn't a spiritual remedy for me to, to fully get out of it. So then it was like, well, am I failing at that too? Right. Mm. Am I failing at prayer of being able to like, let the Lord in to Mm -hmm. ease me of these thoughts right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then that would just make everything go in more deeply. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because what wasn't happening to me was something spiritual in that moment, either from the good or the bad spirit. What was happening was, um, a chemical imbalance. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. And so, um, I started taking this medication that, that healed that Mm -hmm. and that, that restored that balance. And, um, and I see now like, oh my gosh, I spent a lot of energy naming things as Mm -hmm. the good or the evil spirit when they weren't or naming things as spiritual consolation or spiritual desolation when they weren't, they were just something that needed Mm 
they were the symptoms. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, yeah. and um, and uh, really, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's funny. I remember the moment that that I realized this was was actually before I went to. It, it was before I decided I was going to take the medicine. It was mm. before I decided, like, because I knew that the next time I went to my to my therapist, I could say, "Hey, all right." we need to, we need to make this happen. Right. And I was really struggling with it. And, um, and so I was walking home one night and my mind, I mean, my mind was just cycling and cycling and cycling and cycling downward. And, um, and, uh, and I was like listening to music or something. I don't even know what I was, it was probably something depressing, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> emo. And, yeah. and I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking like, mm. I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. And, uh, like, this is spiritual. I, what, why am I so weak? Why can't I, mm. I fight these thoughts, this anxiety, you know? Right. And, um, and I remember thinking to myself, oh no, what if it isn't spiritual at all? What if this isn't my fault, right? What if it's, what if um, God isn't trying to tell me something through these cyclic thoughts? What if it's just a medical problem? And right when I, right when I said that to myself, the music stopped, like it reached the end of a song or something. Mm -hmm. And even though I had my headphones on, I heard, honk, honk, honk. And I was like, what? And I took off my, um, I took off my headphones and there was this flock of, of geese flying over and they flew. And I was like watching them fly over, like, gosh, that's so crazy. And they flew into this like gorgeous sunset. Mm. And I mean, it was beautiful I mean it was stunningly beautiful and I put my headphones down and I was like what if actually that's where God is like 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 what if God is Mm. not within this anxiety what if God is like just saying hey Chris look at this gorgeous sky that I made for you look at this beautiful sunset look at these birds like 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 look at this awe and wonder that I want you to feel and experience in your life right and I, I'm telling you, I put down the headphones and I just stared at that and I laughed and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to take this stupid medicine. And I did. And it was huge, you know? And so, um, I guess I tell that story cause it's like, that could be a super big problem for people yeah. is that, is that, um, and not just on a level of a medical problem of anxiety, yeah, but, but feeling the need and sometimes it's a really like holy intention of 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 naming every single thing as a spirit of either right. god or the evil spirit but but that's in the ignatian tradition and in the in the tradition of saint ignatius that's just that's not always the case you know yeah. if i bump my knee on the wall and i'm sad like that's because i bumped my knee you know <laughs> yeah um and 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 these kinds of things happen so sometimes so sometimes I've that that's something that can actually the over spiritualizing can make things worse yeah. because then I'm not good. I'm not I'm not close enough to God with, with God to beat this thing. Right. Mm. You know, it kind of reminds me. I mean, 
people use this right all the time. Like God sends like you're drowning and he sends a boat and he sends a plane. You know what I mean? Like, it's like sometimes like, it's not like God is outside of any of the things that we experience, but it's like, we are human beings. We're not angels. We're not purely spiritual. We have all these other Mm. aspects to who we are. And, and so sometimes he's like, Hey, the medicine, like that's, that's the thing that I want you to do. You know, or like, you know, Hey, like, have some food and drink some wine. And I think there's a certain kind of humility actually that is that we are called to in accepting those remedies because we have to accept, yeah, I'm a human being. I'm not like, you know, I'm not something more than that. I am a human being and I have to see myself as that. And um, I think obviously we have beautiful lofty goals that God wants us to have that aren't actually lofty. They're just what he wants, the goals he wants us to have. We want to get to heaven, want to be in union with him. But like the only way we can do that is as human beings, Yeah, you know? And I think, yeah, yeah, it's just sometimes so simple, but it is really hard to swallow whatever that, whatever our individual kind of iterations of what you're saying is father. Because I think we all have them, even if it's not mental health. Like I think sometimes there are just... I mean, I've definitely experienced it in my journey. There's definitely just, this is a human problem. Like this is not a human. This is a physical problem. This is a mental problem. This is an emotional problem. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is in that, but he's like, he is actually asking me like, will you just accept your humanity in this? Like, just accept it, you know, don't stop fighting it. Just accept it. And it's a huge relief sometimes just be like, oh yeah, I don't know. I can just just be a human girl. (laughs) And I'm so glad you said that because- I think that for me, where I realized that like, you know, that awe and that wonder of looking up at the sky and seeing those geese and the, you know, and everything happening in that moment, there was a, there was a moment of like, I just need to humble myself and go get the stupid medicine, you know? And like, oh gosh, that's where God was working. It was like, Chris, it's okay. You know, just just get the help. And, (laughs) Um, uh, And so it's like, it's like, I had put this problem as like a, okay, this, this anxiety is either the good spirit or the evil spirit, right? It's either the Holy spirit or the bad spirit, but like, well, no, the spirit was actually speaking in a different way, speaking in a different way. And so, yes. Yeah. It's so, um, even when you're saying that, I'm like, that's sometimes I think we, we get used to putting God in a a box, you know, Mm -hmm. of how, and and that it's very easy to do that with discernment or even with, you know, discernment of spirits or things like that of like, he's going, because there are ways like Ignatius very clearly says how the good spirit and how the evil spirit work and one who is, you know, going from mortal sin to mortal sin, or one who is going from good to better in the service of God or Lord. Like, so there are those things, but then, and it's not that God doesn't work in those ways, but sometimes I found for me anyways, that my conception of how God works in those ways is like so limited by my own experience of him working or my own like knowledge or my own lack of a big picture vision, which he has, whereas he can do things that will surprise me so much. And he's still working in those ways. Like he's still, it's not like he's violated these, these paths of order that he set in motion, but it's that his vision is so much wider that he can, 
that he works in them and out of them in this beautifully mysterious way, which is like insane. And even when, like, even when you said, like, when you said the words, like, what if it's not my fault? I'm like, that pierced me, like pierces me right to the heart. Because with like talking about like chronic illness and stuff like that, it's like, um, that's been my experience is like, is like that tendency to over spiritualize things when actually I feel like crap a lot of the time and that's going to affect how I can pray the attention that I can give in those times. Like, and I forget that so often, partially I forget it. And partially I am rooted in my own pride to such an extent that I forget God's bigness and instead, I want myself to be good at accomplishing things. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 I I have a version of this, like, like that I'm going through now, I think in some ways where I was like, mm. I think disappointments, honestly, in my vocation or like grief of different kinds. And in the past, I felt like I've just been like, well, you know, it's, it's hard and it hurts, whatever, but like God is good and he loves me and, and I accept the heart and accept the pain, but I'm going to focus on, you know, the fact that the Lord loves me. I'm just going to do what he's calling me to minute to minute and just like continue on, you know? And so that's kind of how I was managing that and work. And I think the Lord was in that as well. I don't think he wasn't, but I got to a point now recently where it was like the Lord was almost like making me feel my need, like that, that I wasn't okay, like so powerfully. And I was like mad. I was like, why? Like, I want to be good with this. Like, okay, this is a cross in my life or whatever it is. Like, I want to accept it. Like, I'm trying to accept it. Why won't you let me accept it? You know? (laughs) And he was like, and I had this experience where the Lord is like, no, I need you to know that this is, impossible for you to accept. Like you cannot accept this. I need Mm. you to be okay with that. And I was like, but I don't want to be okay. I want to accept it. And he's like, no, you can't because you're a human person and you have certain needs. I created you a certain way. And those there's deep disappointment and deep grief there. And I need you to just acknowledge it and accept and just accept that. Like, I don't want you to accept that the pain is okay. And all this, like, I want you to accept that it's not okay, that you're not okay, that you're not okay with this. And that was so weird, but it was sort of like, you know, this idea of like a carrot, like, I don't want to need the carrot. I want to need, you know, the debt. Like I want, I don't want a carrot to get to heaven. Like I want to just get to heaven. And mm-hmm. Jesus was like, no, you need the carrot though, because you're not me. <laughs> like, you just have to, I yeah. don't think you get it. Like you, know? yeah. you, yeah. you are a human being or you're a rabbit. You need the carrot. Um, I love how he tells heaven. us like, you're not that holy, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like him, but in like, like a good way, you know, yourself. like a beautiful yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Get over yourself. You need this. You need to acknowledge. And I think the second part of that for me has been realizing that in him saying to me, like, acknowledge that you need this, acknowledge the deep pain has been like, well, then now you have to trust me with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you feel whatever grief and disappointment and all this kind of stuff. And if, if you have to acknowledge that you need what it is that you're disappointed by, or you need what it is that, that is lack, what feels like a human thing that's lacking in your life, you have to trust me that I'm then going to work in that. And, yeah. and you're, it's not going to destroy you. That mm. disappointment, that grief is not going to destroy you, me. you know? But I think for me, it was like, oh my gosh, like I, it feels like it's destroying me, you know? And, but when I acknowledged it and I was like, 
I guess I do. I guess I do need this. Like I can't move forward, Lord. I thought I only needed you, but in the sense, this is how I need him. You know, I realized like needing those, those human things is my acknowledgement ultimately that I just, I, I can't do this. I can't make myself holy. I can't make myself okay. Like mm. only the Lord can. And that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love um one of the one of my favorite things about the book of Job and all of its complexities mm. and 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 you know, different things about it that are strange or mm. or or you know, I mean everything about it is um at least in my reading of it, like Job is asking all these questions. He, God kind of answers a different question. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. then, and then Job at the end, somehow got his answer. And all that he really says about it is um, by hearsay, I had heard of you, but now my eye has seen you. Mm. And therefore, Okay. I'm, I'm silent. I'm, I'm yeah. backing off, you know? Right. And, um, and it's almost like, it's almost like Job is saying like, all right, we had this like debate. Everybody was having this debate, but the only thing that brought me peace was like coming into contact with you. Yeah. Was seeing you. And, and then that, <laughs> and, and, uh, I mean, and clearly part of that was recognizing that he can't get it, that he can't understand it, yeah. you know? But then all of that, that, that acknowledgement that he can't get it and simply just coming into contact with God of being in that relationship with God, it still isn't really explained in Job, but we know that that somehow leads, it, it, it frees him. Yeah. It yeah, frees him. Right. And I, and I think that, that one of the other things too, that in spiritual direction or in conversations relating to discernment with people, when they're talking about like, when they're asking, you know, I don't understand why this thing is happening to me in my life. Um, or I don't, uh, you know, why, why is this suffering occurring? Why, why can't I get out of this? That kind of a thing. The only answer that I have ever found helpful to people is to just bring them to just bring them back into an experience of the Lord. Yeah. Like, like look at a crucifix, Yeah, you know, oh, or tell man. me, or tell me a story of in the last few weeks where you have felt God's presence. And let's talk about that. What was that moment? Like, you know, get back mm. in touch with that. Okay. Now bring that pain there in front of, in front of yeah. Christ. What does it feel like now? What do you sense? You know, the only thing that ever works is experience because all the answers all the answers are good for a classroom yeah. and, and they're good. If someone personally arrives at that themselves as to understand their own suffering, mm -hmm. but it just can't be imposed from outside. It's gotta be your experience of Christ and, and the experience of God. And, and that's, that's, it's practically all I ever do when people talk about that. It's like, let's just get you back with God. Cause that's mm -hmm. the only thing that eases people. That's the only thing that makes that ends up making sense. I can experience. attest to this. This is what Father Chris True. and I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Father, so it's so funny because 
I was recently talking to my family, a few family members about like what my, what I'm living right now, my interior life. And I, um, and I, I, this is sort of the words that the Lord gave me in a way to describe it. I felt like I suddenly realized like, oh, I'm in the middle of the, of the Job conversation. Like, Mm. and I want to be at the end, Mm. but I can't, I can't be at the end. Like I have to just have the conversation. Like the Lord will get me to the end and it might happen tomorrow. It might happen the next minute. I'm not saying it's going to, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think I suddenly just realized I had to just stop and just be like, okay, I'm in the middle of that conversation Mm -hmm. and I just have to be in the conversation and the Lord will get me to the end of it when, when it's time to be at the end of it. And I think that gave me so much consolation because I was like, yeah, Job isn't a, it's not a line. It's not like Job suffered. Then he talked to God about it. And then, you know, God made it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then God made himself present to Job and it was okay. It isn't, it isn't like a paragraph. It's literally a book. And I think it's a book because the Lord is like, sometimes in our lives, sometimes in my life, I, for reasons totally unknown to me, I have to have this long conversation with the Lord. It's for my good. It's obviously the Lord doesn't need to have it with me, but I need to have it. I don't even know why I need to have it or mm-hmm. like how long yeah. it needs to be or anything about it, but God knows me better than I know myself. And so my job is just to have it, to be in it and to keep talking, you know, to keep Mm. stay in that conversation. And that's all I got. And in a way, and when you read Job, like that's all he has, that's all he has is that conversation. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then that experience that he has at the end is, is given to, he has to receive it, but he cannot make that happen no matter what, like he can't make it happen, you know? And I think that it, again, it's a relief to understand that in a way, but it's not like you said, father. And I love this. We actually, I was telling Aaron before, because we don't, I hadn't met you actually before today, but I know lots of friends who, which is so funny because I totally thought that you guys had no, anyway. This is met, a great introduction. But, yeah. But like, I feel like I know you because I just know so many people who've been uh. with you in spiritual direction, all these kinds of things. But I think something that, you know, it, it seems apparent to me is that you're very good at that. God has given you this gift. Is that like making real, like, cause it's real. It's that conversation with Job is supposed to be in all of our lives, like in actuality, it's not in our heads. It's not, you know, it's not a paper that we're writing. It's a real lived relationship. And like you said, it's just, we're going to go nowhere in the spiritual life without like, that's it. That's the, that's the whole thing, you know, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's just it. One of the, um, and I think that this relates, if it doesn't, you can mute me or something, but <laughs> you know, the last year I've been, uh, the last two, two and a half years, actually, I've, I've been doing research on the history of, of the Catholic church and slavery. And, mm. and I just finished writing a book on it. And, um, the, the, one of, one of the things that, uh, I found really that, that related to this that I think a lot about is so if we take the example of Saint Josephine Bakita, mm-hmm. okay, she had been kidnapped and sold into slavery, and um, I mean absolutely kidnapped and sold into slavery and and sent to different owners, slaveholders, and then eventually ends up in Italy where um, where not only is, is slavery illegal. So, so the person that, that owns her owns her illegally. Um, but where she, 
escapes by moving into a convent mm. and she's like i want to stay here <laughs> right because this is this is not only because i'm not a slave <laughs> but yeah. because um this is where she found god and she wanted to stay there and she like she like you know gets it before a judge who uh says no there is no slavery in italy and 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 she stays forever in in this convent right like it, it was a and she loves it and she becomes a saint right because she's an extremely holy person um she near the end of her life says um you know if i could meet someone asked her what if you could meet your kidnappers what would you do and she said something like well i would kiss their feet and hands because what they did brought me into it brought me to Christ. Now that is, (laughs) um, an extremely personal answer of someone who has spent a lot of time in prayer Mm -hmm. and has made sense of enormous crimes committed to her Mm -hmm. in the past. Right. And she has every right to say that about herself, because this is her interpretation of her experience through her encounter with the Lord. Yeah. What we would, what we would not want is what some people did, which was um, there were some Catholics, American Catholics, European Catholics, uh, who uh, bought enslaved people and then told them, "This is God's will for you." Mm. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so stay there. Right. And, and, and to where, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like, like that's, that is, um, I mean, that's a, that's, that's spiritual abuse, that's yeah. cruelty mm-hmm. and that yeah. kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, because that was not what sister Joseph, that was not what St. Josephine Bikita was saying is like, Oh, my kidnappers were amazing. Right. No, yeah. she yeah. escaped her slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She escaped when she had the opportunity to, Yeah, and she had been brutalized. Um, she had been beaten during slavery and she knew it was wrong yeah. and she escaped it. She fought against it actively. Right. Um, I mean, it's precisely because it was so wrong that what she says is so amazing. I think that's like, right. You know, yeah. like if, if it's okay, if it was okay, then what she has to say means nothing, you know, but it's right. because it was so devastatingly awful yeah. that what she says is like, wow, you know, but and, and yeah. And I think that that's where like, too, when we, when we think about talking to people and, and they say, you know, why is God punishing me? Why yeah. is this horrible thing happening to me? And yeah. And maybe what, what's happening to them is like an injustice, something yeah. evil. It's like, no, 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 we're going to fight against this. Yes. And we're going to fight against it like crazy. Yeah. And we're also going to put you into deep contact with Christ at every moment Yes. to live in that relationship with him. And maybe someday you yourself will be able to see how the Lord was working in this, but yeah. it doesn't mean that this bad thing happening to you right now is not something that we're going to fight against. Right. Right. And that's the difference between like, that's something that's just, that St. Josephine got, she did fight yeah. against it. And only right. later was like, God did cause a way for something good to come out of this, even though those people need to go to confession, right? Like yeah, most yeah, people yeah. did something and they need yeah. to go to jail. They did something horrible. Yeah, right. It, um, yeah. 
totally. It's love your enemies because they're, but they're your enemies. Yeah, exactly. They're not, uh, that's why it's hard because yeah, they're your yeah. enemies. Like they have hurt you, right. but, but I mean, we are called to love them, but like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a journey, personal journey as to how we, how we get there, even though it's, it's a universal commandment in a sense, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a universal commandment that can be imposed. Like you said, from the outside, it's a universal commandment that can only be understood and lived from like our own interior yeah. reality and relationship with the Lord. And also like we, we've said this before too, on our podcast, I think, you know, we had a, an episode on offering it up and like, you know, the Catholic thing we're like, Oh, you're suffering. Oh, just offer it up. Like, you know, that's right. like, mm-hmm. like it's some kind of yeah. solution yeah. to the hard thing that you're going through. And it's not like it was sometimes when someone's going through something hard, all you can do is just listen because you, because we're not God. Like we can't, we can't um, make, make something awful for somebody not awful (laughs) you know it's only he can maybe like he can do that and and, in a in a profound mysterious way that that is not something we can necessarily understand even so yeah Yeah. i love her though she's fantastic too everyone to look at her look her up there's yeah yeah. and and there was you know something else that that you were mentioned there was this guy in the uh, 1829, maybe, or the 1830s in the United States, who was, um, was a, a, a deeply devout Christian. I think he was, I don't think he was born into slavery. I think that maybe his parents had, had been. Um, and he is writing against, you know, the horrors of slavery and how he, he wants Christians to stand up and fight against this and how, um, he's going to use everything within him. And then like almost as kind of a side prayer, he writes, God, I don't, I don't understand why all of this is happening, but blessed be your name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, like that is a level of spiritual maturity that if we try to impose it from the outside, it will cause a it will cause a mess yeah. in someone's life and we'll end up, we'll end up like being wrong. We'll end up yeah. having said something wrong. And I mean, I, I see yeah. that now too, sometimes when certain, um, and I, I really think that this all sort of goes in with discernment and, and suffering and, mm-hmm. and desolation is that, is that there'll be victims of oppression today, like of, of racial injustice or, you know, or, um, of, of, of abuse or things like that, where mm-hmm. sometimes I'll, I'll hear Catholics sort of say like, why don't they just, why, why, why can't they follow the Beatitudes and be meek and humble and stop complaining? And it's like, no, you don't, this is not, you're, you're, this isn't how that works, right? This isn't how that works. Um, Injustice and evil, we try to eradicate it. How that person is able to come into the contact of the Lord and still in the midst of their suffering, like David Walker was, or Josephine Bakita was in the midst of it. And while fighting against it, say, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Like Mm -hmm. that's an, that's, that's a personal arrival at an encounter of the Lord that, that, that is, that leads to a sanctity that, Mm -hmm. that like, you don't even have the right to try to push someone into. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Um, Well, really, I mean, it's like, 
it's because I think that there's only, we can only know the goodness of the Lord from the Lord. Like yeah. it's only like the Lord himself is the one who reveals to our heart, his goodness, his love, his care for us, his providence. Like, and he does that through like lots of external means, you know, and working in those, but it's still, even in those things, it's like working in, in the soul to like reveal himself to us. So if you, if you try to put this kind of over-spiritualized notion of suffering or not fighting against injustice because, you know, suffering is good and there can be good that comfort. Like if that, if that's some kind of external thing that we're imposing on people, then it's not, um, it's not just because then it also serves to kind of, um, to kind of cement those places in us that believe that God is not good, that believe that God is not yeah. just that, but you know, like whatever misconceptions we have about God, yeah. then if we're not actively working to avoid people's, like to lift people's suffering, then, then it just, and over spiritualizing things, then it, yeah, it just reinforces those notions that, okay, well, God just must be unjust or like, if they don't yeah. know, if we don't know in our heart that that's not true, you know? Although I will say, as you guys were speaking, I was just thinking, it is even from my personal experience, like it is an, an enslavement, not of my own making, but like, mm -hmm. you know, there is an enslavement in the midst of suffering where when you are unable to hope or you're unable to see like, and if the situation is in a way not beyond remedy or like, you know, but just, just there's some damage that happens to a person in various circumstances or, or, or things that wound us that are so deep that only the Lord really can heal that even, even, a re even rectifying the situation doesn't necessarily heal the damage that was done mm -hmm. and desiring that healing. Feeling every, I think every one of us desires it and no other person can give it to us, but what people yeah. can do for us is to pray. Cause I think there is also an injustice that happens when we focus, right. Either extreme is wrong. Like you focus too mm -hmm. much on the, like you over spiritualize and you, 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 you ignore the injustice. That's that is wrong. It's not what the Lord is calling us to as Christians, but you focus on the issue and totally remove God. That's obviously wrong too. So it's like this, mm -hmm. this mission and each of our lives, when we encounter the suffering in our lives is to, is to love as best we can in a human sense and address the suffering as best we can in a human sense. And then also accompanying that person as a, as a friend to surrender their lives to the Lord, to pray for them, to really ask in the strength from the strength that we have the Holy spirit to enter into that experience mm. for them, because, and we've had this, this, we've said this a lot on our podcast, like there are times when the three of the four of us, the yeah. you know, who, who organize this, we will say like, I'm really struggling with this. And the other person will be like, well, okay, I'll, you know, I'll hope for you today or like, I'll, and I think there's yeah. like something of, of, yeah, the prayers and, and, and the desire, just the desire for my, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, that I be well, that I be whole, that I be healed. And that I be in this relationship with God is there's grace there. You know, there's, there's a, there's a sacrifice there offered for me that God does use for my good and for my healing and all these mm -hmm. things. But that sacrifice isn't direct. It's not like, you know, Aaron can be like, well, I'm going to hope for you today and you're going to feel fine. Like, <laughs> everything, yeah. you know, yeah. it doesn't work yeah, like yeah. that. But it's still yes, it does. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Except with Aaron. It works like that's that with right. Aaron. That's all. Yeah. It's the only, she's the only human person in the history of the world, other than Jesus, where it's like a direct, right. you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, but I do, and I think that that is, I mean, that even that, capacity to be there for one another that way can only come when we encounter the world. Like I can't do that for my friend right. without yeah. knowing Jesus, you know? And mm -hmm. so 
Yeah. So I think it, it, none of what in a way we're called to do is any of what we can do without depending in a very, very total and as much as we can way Mm. on Jesus. Like it's just not possible in a way, like to love as Christ loves is impossible without Christ. (laughs) Right. That's, that's, that's absolutely true. And uh, (laughs) I think that it's, that's, that's just kind of goes back to that original question. I think too, that you asked about like in the times of transition, it's, it's a, it's a trust, you know, it's this trust that let's go of, um, I have to know the answer right now. It's a trust that let's go of, um, I, I have a responsibility of figuring out exactly what is going mm-hmm. on. Right. And it's a trust of, you know, um, is, is the Holy spirit going before me? Right. And with yeah. me is this Holy spirit with me. And then, I mean, I think of it sometimes as, um, I mean, I hate roller coasters. I really do, but, <laughs> but you know how you you're, you're on a roller coaster and like your stomach's going up and down and you feel that the pressure and everything. Yeah. Going. It's like, I kind of just have to go for the ride. Yeah. Um, I kind of just have to go for the ride, but, but I, I do it with Jesus there. Mm-hmm. I do it with Jesus yeah. there. Oh, yeah, I love that. it's it's like um, sometimes uh, like if we do discernment talks or things like that, I feel like it's always important to say that that God is not actively trying to hide anything from us until we work hard enough to uncover it. Like, because that's kind of what it feels like <laughs> yeah. sometimes if you're in like a spot of transition yeah. or you're like waiting for the Lord to speak into something or you don't know what's happening or whatever. It's kind of like exactly like you said, like. Um, I mean, if we're, and there's, we have to be reasonable with that too, right? Like we need to be in relationship with him and praying and be open and, you know, doing the things that we just should be doing to the best of our abilities as, as disciples of Jesus, you know? Um, But that also like the Lord knows, he knows my dysfunction as yeah. much as he knows my virtue and he can oh, yeah. speak in both, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. he oh, uses yeah. all of those things to lead me closer to himself. And it in fact is impossible not for him, for him not to be working in every single moment to lead me closer to himself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he only chooses to do that when I am perfectly following yeah. what I should right. be doing at any point right. in time, you know? And that's like freeing. That's very freeing. And Dude. I still do not personally understand that in the depths yeah. of my heart at all times, but I'm getting bigger glimpses of it. And it's, there's so much freedom there, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, my last, my last mass in Texas. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sounds like a Western novel. The last mass in Texas. That's right. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, but it was this beautiful, like elderly priest who he was like pounding the pulpit. Like he was so passionate. It was so funny. As soon as he was done his homily, he like he was like so huge at the pulpit. And then like he was done, he like just shuffled really, really quietly back to the altar because he's so old. He couldn't even like hand out communion because he couldn't stand yeah. for that long. Like he was that old, but just the Holy Spirit was just like, bam, like working through him at the pulpit when he was preaching. And he said, and you know, so we forget this. He was like, what he's like, the good news is that Christ loved us while we were still sinners, like people, mm. <laughs> you know, like it's not, it's not you, it's not your goodness. It's not anything you do. It's not whatever. It's Jesus loves you when everyone rejects you. Jesus loves you when you've done the worst thing ever. Like Jesus loves you. That's the incredible, exciting news. And 
And it is Mm. what we constantly, like, I think our constant deep conversion is about that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, Jesus still loves me. Like he still loves me. And I think, and it is tied into discernment, like you said, father, because at the end of the day, it's really that reality, encountering that reality all the time that gets us to understand or not even to understand, but just to move through a transition or move through a period of uncertainty or whatever it is in a way that, you know, is with, like you said, with the Lord, like that we are on that roller coaster and Jesus is with us. And that right. is like, that's it, you know? I'm sorry. I just pictured the- Jesus on a roller coaster? No, no, but it wasn't kind of. Beautiful hair flying. There, there is like a video that was going around for a little while of one of those carnival rides where it's like a slingshot one, you know, where it pulls you back and then it lets oh, you go yes. and you go like way up or whatever. Yeah. But there was one of those and the, the girl and her friend were on it and they start going up and there, there was a seagull who got oh, caught oh, on oh, her oh, face. Oh, <laughs> so she had to like, throw this seagull off of her face anyways so i was just picturing jesus on the roller coaster with a seagull flying at my face but that was (laughs) jesus brushing it off (laughs) yeah see here's the thing you would think oh jesus with me on the roller coaster there's no way any seagull like that just gets me perfect but yeah that's right no but the seagull will come and and smash you in the face and jesus will take the seagull that's beautiful yeah i think that's 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 one of the lost letters that's right that's right exactly exactly. the roller coaster ride with jesus you know and i think just like thinking back on what you were saying rachel like Mm -hmm. the i think that one of the um just sort of going back to this, this whole thought is, is one of the things that people chat that they feel really challenged with in discernment is like, there is some question, some mystery that I need to answer, whether it's Mm -hmm. my vocation, whether it's, um, you know, something in, you know, decision I have to make this year, whatever it is, like, like really something where I do have to come to it. I do have to come to it. And it's like, it's like God is playing a mystery game with me and he's going to beat me at the game. Like I've got to beat him, you know, when, when, and so people can just get extremely anguished over discernment. Like I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't figured it out yet. You know, when, um, you're basically just describing my life right now. (laughs) That's right. Well, it's kind of like, it's almost like, um, it's almost like, uh, thinking of, God, you know, you know, I'm the batter and God's the pitcher and he's trying to strike me out Mm. when actually it's more like we're walking together and he's going to show me at the right time. I just Mm got to keep my ears open. I got to keep my eyes open and he's going to show me at the right time where I need Mm -hmm. to go. Like this is not, this is not a contest where I've got to beat it. It's not where's Waldo. Mm -hmm. It's not anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that trust is um, we're going to keep walking. Yeah. We're going to keep walking. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. I'm gonna write that down somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna paint you a sign. And keep, say, walking. keep walking. <laughs> Just keep walking. Just keep y'all. swimming. Keep swimming, Sorry. y'all. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep swimming. Keep swimming y'all. Y'all. Oh man. Oh, Father, this has been so awesome. Like mm-hmm. you should just be a, like you want to just be, you know, the just a regular guest. Host. You could yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just we just have you on here, you know, just regularly. Oh, we'll just have it'll be time. like a segment, you know, like a regular. Which and yes. today we're joined again for Ask the Father. <laughs> Next time, anybody who's who's watching the video version of this should know that I was not aware that there was a video version. So 
That's why I'm in my office that has like a hole in the (laughs) thing here and I'm wearing a polo shirt and all these things. So uh, next time I'll have, I don't even know, we'll have like a big painting of Jesus behind Yeah, That's right. You'll just be in the clerics. The collar. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's right. All rich guys. The cope there. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. Humoral veil. Like the funny hat, you know, like there's there's like some hats. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Welcome to In the Thicket too. You just start speaking with an English accent. Gosh, it's so good. I love it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So thank you, Father. We'll definitely have to have we have to have you back on. But it's been such a blast. Thanks for having me. It was it was wonderful to be with y'all. Okay, well, I guess we have Godwinks left, and I've got I've got you got it lined Mm -hmm. up. So, so basically, this is my Godwink. We were in I was we were I was in um, the Austin Airport waiting for my flight, and I was there for a while. And so I had made you know sometimes like you're you're there at an airport for a long time, and you want particular food or like you're looking and mm. like and you're at like gate one and the food that you want is at like gate 60 yeah <laughs> really long you're like all right you know i'm here for a while let's just make this pilgrimage to you know popeyes or wherever i'm going so i like walk all the way and i'm tired whatever i grab my food and i'm walking back and in front of me there's this adorable like there's this young mom she's alone with her child and her child's like three and she's Mm. so cute like she's got an eye patch and she's just got this like mob of curly hair and she can't really see where she's going she's almost colliding with people and like every second like all the time and her mom is walking beside her and she's like honey this way this way and she can't like hold her hand because the Mm. mom has this giant backpack with probably all of her stuff for the kid and for her and this giant car seat, like huge car seat. And she's trying to walk through this airport with her little girl with an eye patch. And it's just crazy. And I'm like, this girl's adorable, but I'm like looking at the mom and I'm like genuinely concerned. Like, how is she going to make it? Cause it's, it's so have everything is so heavy and her daughter and, and I'm, but I have like carpal tunnel and I can't really hold things very well. So I'm like, I can't hold the car seat for her. I don't have like anything to put it on. And I'm like worrying about this woman walking behind her for like at least 30 whole seconds, just trying to figure out how am I going to help her? Because it looks so hard. And behind me this entire time, there's a pilot and a, and a flight attendant walking and they're chatting and chit-chattering and it's like really cheerful conversation. And all of a sudden he goes like, oh, here's our gate. And she's like, oh yeah. And then she like cycles in front of me. She's like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, okay, no worries. And I'm still thinking about this woman, you know? Mm. And the pilot, instead of going, and by the way, he was tall, dark, and handsome. Like, it's really, mm. I just want to mention that because <laughs> this is an important part just of the story. It yeah. just has to be mentioned, you know? And he's like, um, so he just like goes in front of me and he's like, he walks up to this lady. He's like, ma'am, can I please help you? And she was like, oh, oh, sure. And then he like grabs her car seat, walks all the way, which is quite far, like quite a ways mm. further on, walks her to her gate, like make sure she's okay. And I was smiling from like ear to ear. Cause I was just like, oh my gosh, like I, it's not very often that people notice the needs of others like that, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was one thing that I was so happy to see, but I was all, I was just to me like an image of God. Like this woman was just persevering in her mm-hmm. situation. She had no idea that people behind her even cared about her at all. And meanwhile, like this pilot was clearly like tracking her, like being aware of like her need and just coming in at the right moment to just alleviate her of what was honestly going to get more and more impossible as she kept going because her stuff was so heavy. And I just thought like, you know, we just don't know with how much love the Lord is looking at us. So it was just That's such right. a God moment for me. I was like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. Also, he was really handsome. It was just perfect. <laughs> 
That's can you imagine? This is it. what's gonna happen. That pilot is gonna listen to this episode. Yeah. And right. then he's gonna, he's gonna write that it. was me. I thought that tall, dark, and handsome woman in front of me was so beautiful. Now I know how to contact. Oh, this is the oh, beginning, my. and I'll it's do the, the wedding. Guys, thank you, Father. I appreciate that. This is all going to come together. It's the start of a beautiful love story. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, which reminds me, actually, because today, because we have uh, a father with us, then we get to have a blessing from you before we go. Absolutely. I can do that. Yay. Almighty God and Father, we thank you and praise you for this wonderful podcast, for its hosts, and for all of those who are listening to it. I ask you today to pour down your spirit upon everyone who is listening to this. Give them faith, give them consolation, give them strength, give them your love, and help them to know that you are walking beside them. May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come down upon all of you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Praise Yay! God. <laughs> All right. Oh, thank you, Father. Thanks, everybody, for Anytime, listening. Anytime, y'all. Mm-hmm. And uh, have a great week. Well, you'll hear yeah. from us next week. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. God bless Bye, you guys. guys. Bye. <laughs>